Hello, my name is Andrew Gary, and welcome to Seismic Sound Off in depth conversations in applied geophysics. In this special episode, we bring longtime SEG member and scribe of the Interpreter Sam column, Don Heron, to the podcast. I reached out to SEG staff and members to provide questions for the writer of Interpreter Sam over the last 16 years, as Don wrote his final column for December's The Leading Edge. In this back and forth conversation, Don shares the original idea for the column, the best feedback he received, the future of interpretation, what he's most proud of with Interpreter Sam, and so much more. Visit seg.org slash podcast for links to Don's favorite Interpreter Sam articles, including an interpreter's take on Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, and the answer to the question, is Don Heron Sam? Thank you to all the individuals that provided questions and stories for this episode. I had the privilege to work with Don on the Evolve Technical Committee as a small part of his many roles at SEG, and it was a pleasure to speak with him on this major achievement built over a decade plus. Now for our conversation. Going back to the very beginning, what gave you the seed of an idea for Interpreter Sam and, and who helped give him his first break? Okay, uh, there's no really uh, set point in time looking back where I'd say, yeah, this was the day. But there was an, there was an occasion in my career, and it traces back to the uh, Gulf Chevron merger, which was in 1984. Uh, there were a lot of uh, stories to be told and sentiments, feelings uh, that were pretty high at that time. And uh, a good friend of mine created something called the Gulf Alumni Newsletter. In reading it, I thought, you know, this needs a few uh, bits of uh, human interest in it, if you will. So I asked him if he would mind if I gave that a try. And, and I did that for a couple of years. Uh, so that's where I could trace back this notion of, of actually publishing stories. For the TLE specifically, I guess just the accumulated weight of stories in the next 20 years following that Gulf Chevron instance, enough stories piled up that when I finally got onto the TLE board, I approached uh, editor at the time, Dean Clark, with an idea to do this column, which would, unlike the previous columns, would have a protagonist, uh, the guy who became Interpreter Sam. And he took a chance on that back in early 2003 and uh, did it for the next 17 years. And um, that's the best I can come come up with if I have to find a, a, a reason why I've done what I've done. You know, some of the, yeah, I had, I reached out to some colleagues and members to give some feedback on, or just some input on Interpreter Sam columns throughout the year. And and a, a common thing that I heard was uh, readers kind of explaining to their colleagues the goal of the column because they didn't quite understand it. You know, when you set out to write Interpreter Sam, what were you setting out to achieve in writing the column? Simply just to tell stories that, that I felt uh, would be of interest and perhaps instructive in some way to other interpreters. There are so many of us, you know, and uh, we don't all necessarily uh, have the opportunity to meet each other and speak with each other. And I thought there was some common ground amongst uh, people in the interpretation community. And uh, the stories are a direct outgrowth of that. Uh, they were never planned in any particular order. Uh, just kind of were spontaneous creations on, on my part, along with, uh, on occasion, uh, someone would say something, you know, that would trigger a memory and that would give them an opportunity to write it down. And that's what I did. What was the best feedback you ever received from a column? Yeah, the best feedback I ever got from that was, uh, and it wasn't a specific column, 
Um, I'm a survivor of the BP Amico merger. A couple of years after that, uh, a what we call a Amico Heritage employee, meaning he, he was with Amico before the merger, came up to me and asked me about one of the particular stories that I had just written and asked me, gee, did you used to work for Amico? And I said, no, I'm what's called BP Heritage, meaning I came from the BP side of things. And he remarked then, oh, that story sounded so much like things that used to happen in Amico. And I thought, well, that in its own way was a validation in the sense that uh, I wasn't picking on things that were unique just to me, but they were stories that would have meaning for other people. And that's kind of the real purpose of storytelling at the end of the day anyway, is to either amuse, entertain, or instruct other people by the example of a story. That it's a nice story there. Is there a column that in particular has, you know, after all these years that still stays with you? Yeah, there are two actually. And um, coincidentally, they're exactly 10 years apart. Uh, the first is called The Trip to the Construction Yard, which involved my family. And uh, again, you'd have to read it to see why I'm, I'm fond. And the second one is called uh, On the Bench, which was in June of 2016. And that one was just, uh, I guess, the philosophy of how much longer am I going to do this work that I'm doing that I've done for many years, you know, and if I retire, how am I going to feel? And do I need to retire? That sort of thing. And I actually got some, some very nice uh, written feedback from another interpreter on that one. Yeah. You know, this is, this is one of the questions I sent you, but you know, we're, we're coming on, you know, the new year and, and a new decade. And I've heard of people, you know, doing decade reviews and these types of things. You know, did you find that reflecting on what was happening in your career and your profession with Interpreter Sam really helped you in your career and and know where you wanted to go and help, you know, reach your goals? I mean, you were writing every other month, you know, and that's probably an unusual thing for many people in their careers to be constantly thinking and reflecting on what they're doing. Well, that that probably is just part of my nature. Um, since you ever at their month aspect. Um, when I first uh, started doing this, which was about 2003, um, I proposed to Dean Clark that I wrote, write one of these columns every other month because I was afraid if I committed to writing it every month, I would start uh, forcing issues. I didn't want to do that. So uh, the rest is history, as you've seen. The, uh, the notion of did it help me along the way, any sort of retrospective um, helps along the way didn't necessarily provide any forward view, but it certainly did help to, to look back because as I would tell this particular story, in writing at least, as with all writing, it, writing it, it tends to condense your thoughts. I found out that some things, given the passage of time, were not quite the same as the way I might have written them had they been written in real time. So it helped in a, in a kind of a backward-looking sense, but I don't think it ever guided me in, in going forward. I'm not too sure what did, honestly. Was there ever something you shared that you realized later might've been a little too close to home, maybe tiptoeing around some coworkers or managers for a little while? I can probably answer that uh, as quickly and as honestly as any other question I'm going to get here. And, that, and the answer is no. Um, what I did do, I was careful to change names and create fictitious names for companies like Behemoth and Gargantuan Oil, things like that. And I'll say most, but but very carefully say not all of the time I used fictitious names for individuals involved. 
and in doing so avoided what you just mentioned, I think, but also gave me a little more freedom in leaving it to the readers to draw their own conclusions from the story you know, without, without painting a detailed picture of a personality that I'm talking about. You know, do just enough of that to let people draw their own conclusions. I did have uh, on occasions to where people who I'd worked with, particularly at VP, would come to me and say, gee, was that story you just wrote about uh, so-and-so, or was that what happened in such and such a project? And the answer was uh, sometimes yes and sometimes no. You know, you, you kind of mentioned this earlier, how there are a lot of interpreters. You know, historically, interpreters have been the largest and, and, and still are in many ways the single largest group reading TLE in your column pointed out issues and situations that interpreters routinely faced. You know, how do you see the interpretation changing and what do you think interpretation might look like in the next 5, 10, 20 years? It, that's hard to say. The only uh, general thing that I can say, which is probably pretty obvious, is that uh, the interpretation process is becoming increasingly automated and that's not a bad thing if it, if it helps uh, people use their time more wisely. What I hope is that as the uh, automation increases, and by that I would mean, uh, among other things, AI, I would hope that as that the pace of that increases, that uh, the amount of time that an interpreter needs to take to patiently develop insight and judgment keeps up. I have no idea what's gonna be in front of people in five or 10 years. I actually advocated in a, in a seminar I was in one time that we have uh, workstations with foot pedals, a bit like a church organ so that you can use uh, all four of your limbs, you know, to, uh, and I got kind of a smile on about that. I thought, well, you know, it's the same with having a machine that uh, would receive voice commands. I don't see why you couldn't do that. In your, in your final column that, that appears in December's The Leading Edge, you go back to Interpreter Sam's first day, carrying with him his personalized leather briefcase, ready to be the best geophysicist at the company. Looking back at that version of Sam just starting out, what suggestions and tips would you have for him or any young geophysicist? Yeah, the, the technical ones are, are legion. There are many of them. Um, when you sit down with a less experienced person or a person who has solicited your advice and you're looking at data on a screen, you can't begin to predict how many things you can say based on your own experience. Try this, do that, things like that. But more to the point might be the, uh, the uh, personal ones which is uh, some of the reaction I've gotten so far to this last column. And, and those would be to always be curious about what your work involves. That doesn't mean curious to the point of not accomplishing anything or, or meeting deadlines, but stay curious. Obviously, uh, never stop learning. There are, there are so many things uh, that you can always, given the time, sit down and read or look at. And of course, uh, professionally, you should give more than you take. Um, that's what the SEG has enabled me to do. And, and, you know, the giving through Sam is actually, a, it's a, it's something that I would have done with, with no compensation at all. You know, and obviously I don't, I'm not compensated for it and I, and I shouldn't be because uh, that's my way of, of giving back to the, uh, to the society and to the interpreter community. You know, speaking of giving back, I, I didn't send you this question either, but in the editor's note that, that accompanied this issue, it, it wrapped up and sort of summarized in, in a long way, your, your time at SEG, you know, you've been a member since 1973, you've 
served on the Continuing Education Committee, the TLE Editorial Board, the Publications Committee. It, it goes on. You were a member of the Evolve Technical Committee last year and provided so much helpful feedback. You published books with the SEG as well as this column. You know, what is it like as you were reading that, just kind of hearing and, and seeing the scope of your SEG career in that paragraph? Well, it felt pretty good. Um, I don't. It's like a, a long journey. If you, well, you don't necessarily always get the chance to stop and look behind you and see where you came from. And and like I said, it's time to look forward, look ahead, as I did so many years ago when I first went in the lobby carrying my leather briefcase. I'm I'm glad I've done all the things I've done. I'm not sorry for anything. I was I was very pleasantly surprised to see how the uh, textbook uh, has sold, and. Um, that was not the intention of that, is to provide some sort of a bestseller. But, uh, and the story there is uh, that book was created because a company that I had taught a class for one of my course notes. And, oh, well, wait a minute, this is, uh, this is my, uh, my, not my life's work, if you will, but I spent a lot of time on this. So I approached the SEG because I uh, don't remember who it was, but uh, someone on the publications committee, and they said, oh, yeah, we'd love to have something like that. And um, it took about 18 months to uh, all told to get that book together. So, it's a fair amount of work, but it, I think the uh, the personal reward I've gained from it, and I don't mean the monetary one, uh, the personal reward for it has been uh, pretty nice. You know, Jennifer Cobb, she's the SEG Director of Journals and Books, shared with me this story where you and her were working at the Book Mart, the SEG Book Mart in Denver at annual meeting in 2014, and there was a guy standing nearby reading a book and laughing loudly, and she couldn't figure out what he thought was so funny about applied geophysics until she got a better look at the cover and realized he was being entertained by interpreter Sam. Your your column was filled with humor and satire, among many other things. And I'm curious, what what are you most proud of with your column? Well, uh, probably back to the previous question that you asked, if somebody comes up to me and says, gee, that sounds just like something that happened to where I was. Uh, the idea is to... Uh, Spread the good news in so many words is that, hey, you're not alone in all this, you know, and you'll, you'll notice, of course, that some of the some of the columns were humorous and were intended to be and some weren't by intention. And um, that's kind of the nature of what we do as interpreters. You know, we, we observe things, we, we make sense of things and we propose things. And sometimes our proposals are acted on and they work out very well and sometimes they don't. And um, I'm not sure everybody always has that sort of a feeling, you know, that they don't, they, they may think they're alone in all this or they're not, you know, and that's probably true of any, any profession. And I was just fortunate enough in the profession that I chose to have the opportunities to write these stories. And, and again, I'll thank uh, Dean Clark for that. And, and right beside Dean would be Jennifer. Uh, I've known them probably as long as I've known anyone at the SCG. And I want to thank people for their support. It's, it's largely people like that that I had in mind. You know, I, I reached out to SEG members for questions for you and and received numerous stories and, and no shortage of questions. Everyone very happy to contribute. What would you like to say to your loyal readers over the years? Thanks. Well, obviously, it, uh, you know, I don't know who you are. You know, a very, a very few people have taken the time to, uh, to write a note to me. And I really appreciate that because uh, no one wants to feel as though they're going to any trouble or, or exerting any effort. And it's uh, for naught. Um, but then again, um, uh, the, the column was not created and, and carried through for as long as it was in order to receive accolades either along the way or at the end. I, I would be just satisfied to know that people read it and, and, as I said, gain some enjoyment about it, from it 
and uh, provoke some critical thought from time to time. And maybe it would cause them to do something a little bit uh, differently, a little bit better uh, because of something they read in the call. You know, I, I want to, there's one last question after this one, you know, I, in thinking about, you know, when I was looking over, over the editor's note and, and your work that you'd done, you know, you, you had joined SEG in 73, but at least in, in terms of, of, you know, some of the, the larger, uh, leadership that you were taking at the SEG that came, you know, quite a few, you know, you're looking at around 25 years after you had joined where you started joining some of these committees, you know, what kept you engaged with the SEG over those years and, and what made you take a, you know, make a choice to step into leadership when you did? Well, you know, stepping into leadership is something that can happen by design or by happenstance. I stayed with the SEG largely because when I first started it, I was, I was given some very good advice where I was in school about, hey, you probably want to join this professional society. There's a lot to be learned from other people that are going to be doing what you're doing. Um, the, the leadership, if, if you want to call it that, is, is a natural consequence of perhaps circumstances and, and my nature. You know, I'm not a joiner by any means, but uh, I do think that I'd like to be the, um, the type of person that will take the opportunity to get involved in something where I can make a positive difference. And uh, that might be through a leadership position or a, uh, or a writing column. Uh, one thing about writing the column you're very alone when you're doing it. Um, other than the editor, uh, no one looks at this. Uh, on occasion, I've asked my wife to look at one, and, and she will smile knowingly. But she's uh, uh, very much my match, you know, and, and I can tell sometimes when she'd maybe like to say a little more and doesn't, but she really respects my opinion as I do hers. But uh, it is the kind of thing that um, you do on your own, and... Um, you have it as an act of faith that what you're doing is uh, meaningful. And uh, I received just enough uh, spice of commentary and return from readers to believe that this was something that was worth doing. And that's why I did it as long as I did. Well, what's next for interpreter, Sam? Yeah. What's next? Well, you know, that's, you can ask any retiree that, um, uh, we have a, a nice trip coming next year, early next year, down into South America for some time. And uh, we have uh, grandchildren, of course. You can't, uh, that's probably the finest thing that can happen to you is to have grandchildren. I do two uh, weekly volunteer activities. The first is at MD Anderson here in Houston, where I'm what's called a patient navigator, which is basically standing at the front door and helping people who look lost, finding their way to their appointments. And uh, when people come through those doors, they usually got a lot more on their mind than, than you know, you want to know about necessarily. But that's that's a very uh, gratifying job is to help people that are probably in some situations they'd rather not be in. Help them just some little way, uh, ease their burden a little bit and get them where they need to be so they can take care of business. The other thing, of course, now is uh, for the last two years, I've been uh, tutoring uh, mathematics at a high school near, near here. Um, and that's an experience uh, that we can have another half hour session on. But uh, there's a lot of need for older people to pass on the experience that they have to younger people. And I can do that in that tutoring activity. And, of course, I wouldn't be uh, telling the full story if I didn't say that I have something on my computer here called a journal of sorts. That literally is its title, the file title or the folder title. 
And I still sit down from time to time when I get uh, piqued by something or, or irked by something, um, sit down and write some commentary. And uh, that will not see the light of day in the leading edge print and probably won't see the light of day anywhere. But uh, it keeps the juices flowing for me. I've, I've always uh, liked to write, was encouraged to do so uh, all through school and wondered sometimes why I wasn't an English major. But uh, I do that as well. I probably will have something to say this, this week. I usually make an entry in it, oh, once or twice a week. Well, you you have a lot on your plate, and it's wonderful to hear what you're doing now and, and how you're giving back. And is there is there anything else you would like to share that you maybe haven't had a chance to say? I don't think so. Um, I appreciate the opportunity to do this. As I say, this was not done for some sort of self-gratification. And um, it matters to me that, that the SEG thought enough to ask you to, uh, to do this, which meant that uh, in the long run, uh, the column was a positive element uh, of my contribution to the SEG. And, and um, I would hope that maybe someday somewhere I'll listen to all this and there'll be an, uh, another uh, effort, similar effort. Uh, the stories are not going to stop. It's just a matter of what people will take the opportunity to uh, tell them and then everybody else will take the opportunity to read them. Well, thank you for dedicating 16 years to helping uh, other interpreters out there feel a little less alone and feeling like their experience is not the most unusual thing that they have ever had to go through. So I, I, I'm sure many more people have some amazing stories to share that they've not had the chance to tell you. And, and thank you for taking a moment to reflect and, and share a little bit with us here. That's not a problem, Andrew. I appreciate being asked. Thank you, Don. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to SEG's flagship podcast. Please share this episode with a friend, colleague, or manager that would enjoy hearing this episode. Your recommendation is the single best action you can take on behalf of SEG's podcast. Go to our website at seg.org forward slash podcast to find all our episodes and learn how you can listen to this podcast directly on your phone without downloading an app. Original music by Zach Bridges. This episode was hosted, edited, and produced by me, Andrew Gary. The SEG podcast team is Jennifer Crockett, Allie McGinnis, and Mick Sweeney. Thank you for listening. This is Seismic Sound Off, signaling off.